Would you open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 5? If you did not receive a handout, this is not homework. This is not get handed in. This is not a test. Uh, but this may be. Uh, this will help you to follow along with some of the points that I'd like to make this morning as uh, we study together. I don't trust that I will be able to present things in such an organized fashion that you get it all. Uh, some of us are more visual learners, and some of us only learn things better when we write it down, so I hope that'll help you. But I do want you to open your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 5, because I'm going to display some of the verses up on the board. I don't think that they're going to be able to be very legible, but that's really not the point for me to put them up, and maybe you'll understand why as we go along. But we're going to read here, Mark, chapter 5, and I'm going to read to you uh, verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he, was, he would wretch the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and of the mountains, he was always crying out, and he was cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus was afar off, he ran and he fell down before him, crying out with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I adjoin you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion. For we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out into the country. Now a great herd of the pigs were feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, lest we show into them. And he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd numbering them, about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and they drowned in the sea. And the herdsmen fled and told it to the city. And then the countrymen and the people came to see what had happened. And when they came to see Jesus, they saw that the, uh, the demon-possessed man, well, the one who had the legion, and he was now sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described them that he, what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat, and the man that had a demon possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but he said, Go home and tell your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away, and he began to proclaim to the Decropolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. I don't believe for a second that God filled the Bible full of stories or accounts like this just so that he could have filler. I believe that every single lesson that God put here in the Bible is about me and you. It's about teaching us about his son, and it is to teach us something specific. And so that I read a story like this, and I've heard us sometimes lose track of some of the points that I think that God is trying to make when he records this. But I believe this is for us today. And I'm going to ask you to try to put yourself here in the position of the people that day. 
I want, to, want you to put a form, a picture in your mind, what it would have been like. What would you have seen if you were the one to walk up and to see this man who they called Legion? What would that look like? As we read the scriptures here, we see first of all that he was one that was living in the tombs. He was living among dead people. That's where he stayed. You know, we don't do anything like that. We know better than that. That's not going to be a pleasant place that we would want to dwell. A place that stink or where decay is going to be. People don't go and have a picnic in our cemeteries today. It's just not a fun place to be. But this man here found a place that he hung out. And he was hanging out there among the tombs. We read there also that he was a man that is said to have an unclean spirit. He wasn't living a life that you would say was clean, but he was possessed, be it a demon, a devil, or the devil, or whatever it was, or devils, since they called it even. I'm not really sure, but it calls it an unclean spirit. Not somebody who would be pleasant to be around, wasn't trying to live a good life, but perhaps encompassed or had within him things directing him to do things which were wrong. Are you picturing this in your mind, what this mind, this guy actually may look like? It says here also that no one could bind him. He wasn't one who could be tamed. I think about a dog that we have. We might try to keep it in an area, and so we, we put and we try to bind it down. But it says here, when they tried things like that, he could break them into pieces because he was somebody who... The, the strength could not tame him or subdue him. Like a wild animal that we try to tame, this guy was untamable because he was living essentially like an animal. It says that he was naked. He's living in the tombs among the dead. He's got an unclean... And now he's one that it doesn't even seem tameable or one that is trying to follow some sort of direction. And if that isn't enough, it says on top of that that he was one that day and night would be screaming out. Maybe you could hear him at night when you were in your home, silence of the night, screaming out there from the mountains, and he was cutting on himself. Who does that? That's not a sane way to live. But this was the man that was living here, and this is the man they called Legion. And I ask myself, then, why... Would God paint a picture like this in our mind? Of this man who was living in such an awful condition. Was it so that Jesus could demonstrate his power over devils? Perhaps it was. Was it so that before these people he could help them to develop their faith? Maybe it was. Was it so that he could save this man and show a priority that anybody, despite whatever condition they're in, is worth saving? Maybe it is. But what I see when I try to put myself as I see what it would be like to live before Jesus. We are living among the dead. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about that we are dead in our sin when we be Christ and we live again. It says here this man was filled with an unclean spirit. And I think about what's said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, 
what it says, and in Adam all die, but in Christ we are made alive. When we put on Christ, we have somebody else that is living inside of us. No one could bind Him. There's only one person who's going to decide that you're going to live right today, and that's you. You making that decision that you're going to follow Christ. Nobody can force you to do that. And no one could bind Him to live in a way that He thought was sane. It says He was out here cutting Himself and that He was crying out. He was living like an animal. Before we had the direction of God, that's essentially how we lived out in the world. But then I see a different picture happening when Jesus walked into this man's life. I want you to see now what it says later on in this reading. Because we see here that it says now that he was sitting there and he was clothed. After Jesus came in and after Jesus had cast this evil spirit out of him, it says that he was clothed. It thinks that I think about become Christians, it says that we put on Christ. And now this unclean spirit is no longer with this man. He is sitting there and he is clothed. I also read the scripture there and it says that and he is in his right mind. The direction which he has now isn't to that of the unclean spirit, but it is that which is directing him to do that which is right. And he's in his right mind. Looking on down through there, the scriptures are saying that, the, uh, that he was begging them that he might be with them. This man found his comfort in his home to be hanging around the dead. It said that he was in the tombs, and that's where he lived. But now he all of a sudden wants to be with God's people, and he's begging them that he could be with them. And then the final thing that it talks about there is that when this man, after Jesus came into his life, he was not just sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and one with other people that were with Christ. But it says now he's going and declaring everything that God had did for him. And that is what it's like to be a Christian. We are putting on Christ. We are righteousness in our right mind. We want to be with other Christians. And we proclaim what Jesus had done for us in our life. You can see the picture of what it's like to be in sin here in this chapter. And you can see like then when Jesus walks in. What a difference. Sometimes we have people that have sit in our assemblies for years. And they're what we might consider good. And they never make the step to become Christians. And it is because they don't see themselves and who was living in the tombs, naked and living like an animal with no direction, unable to be held down or subdued or tamed. They think they're living a good life because they're not out there raising Cain. They're not out there cursing. Maybe they have a good family. They're supporting their family well, and they think, well, I'm a good person. And so they don't see a need to change. Picture is painted here in Mark chapter 5. Is that a pretty picture? But I want you to know that Jesus seen the day he walked into that scene. He's seen that man. 
And that's what God sees in us before we have Christ in our life. For the lesson this morning, I'd like to make just a few points from this chapter uh, of Mark chapter 5. The first thing I'd like to point out is that life without God is pointless. That man was up there and he was cutting himself. He was just screaming out in the middle of the night. He was living with the dead. There was essentially no point to his living. I want you to know this morning that life without God in it is pointless. In John chapter 15, beginning in verse 4, it says, Abide in him, and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And whosoever abides in me, and I in him, he is that which bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. What is Jesus saying? Life without God is pointless. You may be accomplishing earthly things, but you're not accomplishing spiritual things. All of the end, it is pointless. Life without God is pointless. The wisdom recorded in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23 says this, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. This man, Legion, it said, could not be tamed. He could not be bound. He wasn't letting anybody direct his life. But when God comes into our life, we let him direct it. We follow his word. It's not in our lives to direct ourselves. But we need to let God do that. And when we let God it leads us somewhere. It has a point. It's going to take us to heaven. But without God, life is pointless. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said this. Listen to his words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes into the Father except through me. What are you living for without God? What do you hope that will happen one day when you die? What do you think is going to happen? What is the end of your life going to be like? You see, life without God is pointless. But after God, you know you have a promise of heaven. You look forward to that every day. And the things which you do in this life are working to that goal of heaven. But life without God is pointless. Let me make another point. I don't know who you thought you were when we, I asked you to put yourself in that story. But I want you to know that you are legion. Maybe you thought you were one of the people who were the observers who came along with Jesus that day. And you were going to watch this miracle take place. Maybe you thought you were one of the and people and God had cast these evil spirits down there into them. Maybe you thought you were one of the people of the city. That later, when Legion had been uh, changed, who he went around and declared what God had done for him. But when I put myself in this story in Mark chapter 5, I want you to know that I see that you are Legion. That I am Legion. Where do you get that? Well, first of all, did you notice there in the scripture what it said there about Legion? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. 
In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. And which of you would just sin, but I have committed many sins? You see, which of us haven't had that many problems like Legion? Not a one. You see, you are Legion. You need to see yourself that way. You need to think back of the ugliness of that man that was living in the tomb looked like that day and understand that without God, you have that sin and that's what it looks like. In Job chapter 14 and verse 1, it says, Man who is born of a woman is few days and he's full of trouble. Not just gets into trouble or has a problem, but he's full of trouble. I don't know about you, but Jason's a work in problem. There's always things to overcome. There's always areas I need to grow in. I need to do better in. There's sin and problems that Jason needs out of life. And you know, man is born of a woman and in just a few days he is full of trouble. We get into problems. And not just problems, but problems. That's what legion means. In James chapter 5 and verse 20, let him know that whosoever breaks... A, um, brings back a sinner from the wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Can you notice that? The plurality of that? The same as Legion, who was many. In James chapter 2, in verse 10, it said, For whosoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. Legion has the sins of many. Like you look in verse 9 and it says we are legion because we are many. And when I look at this story, I realize that I am legion. But I also see a point here that Jesus is the answer. You know, this man's life really seemed not just pointless, but hopeless. I mean, people tried to help him. They tried to tie him down. They tried to bind him up. You know, maybe he, he was hurting himself and cutting. Maybe that was the reason for doing that. Maybe they were just trying to and tie him at a distance from the city. I don't really know. So that they wouldn't have to hear his screaming at night. We're not really told. But it didn't work, did it? But what we do know that the day that Jesus walked in, this changed answer to all of his problems was Jesus. And I'd like to make the point today that sometimes all the things that we teach and all the classes that we study and all the topics that we argue and all the things that we go out there and we try to teach people and all the programs we might learn on how to evangelize, in the end, I want you to know that it's all about one thing, that the answer, that's what we teach. That's what we should be teaching. That's whose name we need to be raising up. It's not only just Jesus today. I want you to know it's always been Jesus. I'm just going to take the beginning of the book of Acts and give you the idea why this is over and over in the scriptures. The angels told them when they were sitting there and watching Jesus ascend to the sky in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11 that this Jesus, this Jesus, he points out to them, who goes up. Right now into heaven is going to come back the same way someday. He said, this Jesus. 
he called their attention to what they were seeing that day. And Peter, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, guess what Peter was starting to teach about when they were there on the day of Pentecost, when the first gospel sermon was taking place. He taught about Jesus. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, in verse 32, in verse 36, in verse 38, he was teaching them about the name of Jesus. And he was baptizing them in the name of Jesus. Peter and John, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 6, was teaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter, when he stood there in Solomon's uh, portico, in Acts chapter 3, verse 13, verse 16, verse 20, guess what he was teaching? He was teaching them about Jesus. And Peter and John that were there before the council in Acts chapter 4 and verse 20, what were they doing there? They were proclaiming Jesus. Acts chapter 4 and verse 8, Peter addresses the rulers and the elders. The words are recorded there beginning in verse 10. It says, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you were crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him is the man standing by you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You know what Peter was teaching before the rulers and the elders? You know what the lesson was that every one of the apostles taught? They taught about Jesus. Reminds me of Acts chapter 8 and verse 35 where Philip encountered the eunuch. And he was studying from the book of Isaiah. And do you remember what it said? It said, and Philip continued... In the very same passage, and he taught unto him Jesus. It doesn't matter where people are in their studying, there's not a story in this book that isn't about the point of why God has included these messages in here for us. It's about Jesus. And the answer for Legion that day was Jesus. And the answer for us to get out of the ugliness of our sin is Jesus. Last and final point I'd like to make today from the passage of Mark chapter 5 is that Jesus brought purpose and direction. You know, before that, this man really had no purpose. He just was shouting, no purpose there. He was crying out, he was cutting himself. To what, what was the gain there? There was nothing. He just lived among the dead. It wasn't like he was teaching them or having a conversation with them. He just existed. Ourselves before God just like that. But I want you to know that when Jesus came into his life, he brought purpose and he brought direction. Mark chapter 5, 18 and 20, we see that legion had no purpose. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, listen to the purpose and direction in this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's a people who live with purpose and direction. You know, one of the things I love about that back there that we've seen, looking about legion, 
verse 18, it says that he was begging them that he might be with them. And if you look in the King James, maybe some of you are using the King James Version. I'm using ESV this morning. But I like how King James words this a little bit better. Because it says that the Christians were preferring to be with one another. It reminds me about what it says there in verse 18. The legion wanted to be with them. He begged that he could be with them. Those are people with purpose and direction. You know, the other thing said about legion there in verse 20 is that he went about all the Decapolis and he started telling people what God had done for him. And in Mark chapter 15, thinking about the words of Christ before he ascended into heaven, he said this to them. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, people with the purpose and direction. God's laid out a mission for us. And our mission was the same one that He gave to Legion that day, which is to go and tell them what God has done for you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth, where moth and rust do destroy and where thieves do break through and steal. And lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust do destroy, where thieves do not break through and they do not steal. People who are living for heaven, living for a spiritual purpose, and they have that direction that is in their life. Mark chapter 5 tells us a story about a man named Legion. And I'm convinced that Legion is us. And I want you to know if God isn't in your life today, if you don't have Jesus, if you haven't accepted him in your life, you really are living a life without that's pointless. You need to accept the fact that God sees nothing but that ugliness. He sees you naked unclothed he sees the uncleanness in your heart he sees you living there your own physical life and among the dead because you are legion but the answer to that in your life is Jesus Christ are you willing this morning to accept him as God's son willing to confess his name before men because that is our purpose And then if you are willing to be baptized into Christ and put on Christ to cover your nakedness of sin, then you live to tell your story, just like Legion did. A man of purpose and direction now because he had Jesus Christ in that. A changed life. If you're willing to accept that this morning, willing to become a Christian, willing to give off the ugliness of sin and become something beautiful, We can help you with that today. We can help you give your life to Christ. We can help you get rid of the uncleanness and become somebody of purpose and direction because Jesus is walking into your life. Why don't you use this opportunity this morning as we stand and sing this next song to make your life right with Christ?